Hello and welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Brown, and thanks for joining me as we continue to look into the fields of sound therapy, sound healing, and using sound for health and wellness. Today's guest is Kenny Coulter. We talk about Kenny's musical and percussion background, his background in transcendental meditation, and how he got into providing sound sessions in clinical settings, such as mental health facilities, cancer treatment centers of America, hospice facilities, and even a federal prison. He shares some wonderful stories and inspirational experiences from working on those settings that he describes are why he does this work. He talks about his philosophy of playing from the heart And we also discuss, during this unprecedented time of the coronavirus, how to use sound as a tool for self-soothing and self-care. This episode is sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. The Ohm Shop is located in Sarasota, Florida. You can also find them online at theohmshop.com. And they have a vast array of sound healing and vibrational medicine tools. So if you're ready to up your level, of your sound healing practice, check out their website, consult them for guidance, you can shop online. And I've been so lucky to work with them in person and teach classes at their shop. And they truly offer a full holistic experience for practitioners and those seeking healing through natural means. So check out the Ohm Shop and Spa. Please enjoy this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast with Kenny Coulter. Yeah, I think it would actually be really fun to kind of go back and talk about some of the, the pivotal moments for you as a youngster that uh, kind of have uh, evolved into what you do now. You know, um, I know you were a percussionist early on and got involved into meditation early on. Um, mm-hmm. You could talk a little bit about your, your background. Sure, 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 sure. I'm very fortunate that I grew up in a household that was um, very musical. My dad was a lover of jazz, and in particular, Latin jazz. And and I have a great memory of when we were kids, He like let's say he would go buy the latest Cal Jader album or uh, something like that, and then he would invite anybody in the family to come sit in the living room and listen to the music and we would talk about it, you know. Mm -hmm. And although my dad was never, he never played an instrument or anything, but he always just loved music and it was um, a real, I don't know, you know, like something that was soothing for him. It was was a tonic. And so I, I thought it was great that, you know, we could as a family sit and like, let's say my brother might go, oh, listen to that bass line, and, and, and we're, we're, you know, kind of going well, and how is that inter- interacting with, with the melody or, or, or the rest of the rhythm section? And so uh, that was cool. And then I have a sister that uh, studied to pe- become an opera singer. And, and, you know, as you know, that is a very long and, and rigorous uh, course of study, mm-hmm. and so you know, I would hear her practicing her scales and you know different arias and all that stuff. My my brother played vibraphone. He was in the marching band in uh, high school, and then I got a drum set. I think when I was well, he had a drum kit, then I had a drum kit, and then I don't know. I always just was playing and just fascinated with the drum kit and playing along to records and stuff, which I still do to this day. That's, that's kind of my therapy is I, I go into my garage and, and uh, you know, drum along to all different kinds of stuff. And so I, I feel fortunate that um, music was encouraged and appreciated in, in you know, in, in my environment growing up. And, and as then I got older and, you know, playing drum kit and things and, then I learned how to meditate. Well, uh, you know, I learned transcendental meditation when I was 12, and 
um, you know, honestly, as a kid, I'd you know I'd be like, I'd rather go out with my friends and play baseball or you know hang out in the neighborhood than than meditate. But I did meditate, and I grew to appreciate it as I got older. And then after I graduated from high school, um, I didn't really have any big direction or or at that time desire to go to college. And my brother ended up in Fairfield, and uh, um, he he was actually working on building. They have these two big uh, meditation halls there, and so I was kind of just like not doing anything and aimless. And my brother said, "Well, hey, why don't you come out here to Fairfield, and you know you could work with me. You know we're building these domes." And I was like, "All right." I just kind of said yes and uh, didn't really know what I was getting into, and it was you know, one of the best decisions I think I ever made in my life, because then I did end up going to school there. I met some really amazing people uh, from all over the world. You know, it's called Maharishi International University. And, and literally, I met kids and people from from every part of the globe. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, you know, an, an education in and of itself, just, you know, making new friends and learning about different cultures and religions and foods they eat. And, and so um, while I was in college, I was always in some kind of a band. I was in uh, kind of a Latin jazz band and blues bands and rock bands, and there would be people, you know, jamming at different places every, every Friday night. And, and so um, I, I just, as a young adult, I just knew that music and sound and everything it was just in my blood it was kind of like like part of my internal language and internal landscape i was in a band and some uh, the bass player was originally from australia from adelaide and after i graduated we got this idea to um, go to go to australia and have an adventure and so we picked up uh, where we left off and did some recording there and played a bunch of pubs and clubs, and it was fantastic. And actually, one of the tunes that we recorded was picked up by the largest radio station in uh, the South Pacific. And uh, so that was kind of cool to, you know, hear our song on the radio. And and um, and then, um, you know, life, you know, move, you know, moved forward, and, and I... Uh, got married and had kids, but always, you know, just kind of played as as a hobby. But in my in my mind and in my heart, I I was always wishing that I could somehow, you know, do do music. And and I know that the life of a musician is kind of crazy. It's it's weird hours. You're up till the middle of the night, and at that time, you know, everybody's smoking in bars and all that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to kind of be in that environment. Um, but then maybe, and this is going on like 14 years ago, I went and saw a woman play a gong in a meditative environment. My wife and I went and it was just incredible. And I, you know, and I had played gongs, you know, because I was, a, you know, played, you know, different kinds of percussion and stuff. But I was like, wow, I didn't know these instruments could have that amount of, you know, varying sounds and frequencies and harmonics and subharmonics and all these things happening. And it just really blew my mind. And on my way home from that event, uh, I said to my wife, I go, man, someday I'd like to do that, you know, like without even having any, you know, thought, it was just kind of came out of my mouth. And then the company that I was working for uh, lost the big contract that they had in the Chicago area. Mm. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I was out of a job and I was on unemployment. And my wife said, well, you know, you've had this desire to, you know, play the gong and do that. You know, why don't you try it and give Mm -hmm. it a go? You know, I had purchased a gong uh, off of Craigslist. And so that's what I did. And I was very fortunate that shortly after that, uh, a woman, and I, and I had played just like a few places, and I had d- done a recording, and then a woman called me and said, um, you know, hey, I teach yoga at the Elgin Mental Health Center, which is the state of Illinois' largest mental health facility, and she said, we're having this sort of like open house wellness day, and would you be interested to come, you know, and play the gong? And I said, yeah, great. 
so I went there and I had no idea what I was getting into, you know, mm-hmm. I, and, and, you know, I'd never been to a mental health facility like that. And, and I had these visions of, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's mm-hmm. nest and, mm-hmm. and, and all of that. <laughs> and, um, so I went there and the, you know, these guards, you know, kind of escorted me in and they had to search all of my gear. And so mm-hmm. I go, I go and set up, it's in a gymnasium and I played for people and when the session was over, you could just hear a pin drop. It was it was unbelievable. And then I said, "Well, oh, well, does anybody have any questions or anything to share?" And 25 people raised their hand. Mm-hmm. And you know, patients were asking questions. Some of the um, uh, social workers were asking questions and everything. And it was just so well received. And I was just blown away. I was like, "Wow!" And so. Um, I didn't really think much of it other than I felt like, wow, well, that was, you know, a cool experience and stuff. And then a couple days later, I got a phone call out of the blue from a gentleman who was the uh, controller from the facility. And he said, you know, hi, my name's Brian. And, you know, uh, do you have a few minutes to talk? And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, the, the uh, you know, uh, president of, of our, you know, of the mental health center was, was wondering if you would be interested in coming in. Uh, doing uh, weekly events here for mm-hmm. our patients, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, with, and without any hesitation or thinking about it, I said yes. Mm-hmm. And he said, and then he said, well, there's two ways we could go about this. We could generate a contract here from our offices locally that would be for like a smaller amount, or we could go through, um, the, you know, through Springfield uh, and get you a larger contract. Uh, what do you think? And I said, Brian, I go, I don't know. What do you think we should do? And I'll never forget this. He <laughs> said, this is what this guy told me over the phone. He goes, let's go for the big one. <laughs> and I said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he said, you have a few minutes. I can interview you right now. I'll fill out all the paperwork. Um, I'll send it to you. You sign it. And then you sent, send it, you know, down to uh, the government house in Springfield. And that's what I did. And I don't know, two, three weeks later, I get this big packet saying that I've been accepted and, sign here and this is your day of your orientation and so really it was an act of god or source or whatever you want to call that that all of a sudden i had a contract with the state of illinois that they were paying me very good money to come and play the gong and bowls and stuff for patients in their forensics treatment program and so uh, i used to go there every tuesday and i would do four or five sessions either in that gymnasium that I mentioned earlier, or I would go to the various units where they kind of had like a common area and set up and play. And, and, you know, at any given session, there'd be 20 or 30 patients just, you know, coming and either laying down or sitting comfortably. And so that was really an incredible experience. And because of that, um, then the uh, Cancer Treatment Centers of America which is in the Chicago area, they contacted me and said, would you like to come and do regular sessions for our you know, patients and staff? And, and I said, yeah, of course. And so then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I had two really wonderful clinical uh, opportunities that I was working. And then my career, as far as working with sound, really you know, grew from that. Mm-hmm. And having, you know, that uh, like a contract with the state and stuff like that, it, it really opened up doors for me in the yoga world and the, in the wellness world uh, because I would just, you know, truthfully say, hey, you know, state of Illinois is paying me to come and do this every Tuesday at the mental health mm-hmm. center in Elgin. And, and so um, so it was really, in you know, just in, incredible. And, and the thing that I say to people to this day that it's like I didn't know life could be like this where I'm – doing something that I love to do, that I feel very passionate about and, and uh, feel that, like I said earlier, that this is just kind of you know, part of the, the, the inner world of, of who I am, that I can share that with people uh, and make a living at it is really amazing. And I'm sure that was very developmental for you, too, to kind of even after just the wellness session introducing at the the mental health facility and then jumping in and really getting a weekly experience i'm sure it was very developmental for how you approach what you do as well just having oh yeah oh yeah completely mm-hmm. that 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 experience um 
both being at Cancer Treatment Centers of America and um, the Elgin Mental Health Center really informed my playing and developed, you know, kind of, and I think the style that I feel that I have is, is very shamanic in nature. And I um, have, have realized over time and, you know, talking with other, you know, gong players and, and Tibetan bowl players and, and researching it, that the, the essence of being a sound therapist, you know, working or a sound practitioner, working with sound as a vehicle for wellness and transformation of consciousness, it all relates back to shamanism, you know, where shamans would use rattles or drums. Uh, in South America, they, you know, some shamans, you know, use uh, little chimes and, and things that that these sounds were a, a vehicle for, for quieting the mind. And it's one of the things that I, that I love about this work is that I, I get people, you know, coming, uh, you know, whether it's to a church or a wellness center or a yoga studio where they're like, well, I'm not a meditator and I have a really hard time quieting my mind. And, and I just tell people like, well, if you just have an open heart and an open mind, come and check this out and just lay down, let the sounds kind of carry you where they will. And uh, oftentimes it's those people that are the biggest skeptics that become some of, you know, uh, the biggest uh, believers in sound because you don't have to do anything. You know, you just come and you get comfortable and you let the, you know, the sound wash over you and wash through you and, it, it really helps the mind to, to relax. And when the mind relaxes, great things happen. You know, the body follows. So heart rate goes down, breath rate goes down, rapid eye movement goes down, and, pe you know, people come and, and have, you know, deep kind of transcendental uh, experiences. And it's, it's just based simply on, on the, like, the... the how do I say it? Like the, you know, like uh, sometimes I say like the sound of, of the gongs can, is so thick and, and it really is pervasive and it's hard to escape. And, and people say that they, they feel that the sounds, these different sounds, you know, kind of almost help people to cease thought, you know, and, and that's the whole goal of meditation is to, you know, quiet the mind. And, you know, you, you know, you've heard this, that in the East, they, you know, they call that, you know, uh, the monkey mind, you mm -hmm. know, that and we all have it, that we're all thinking um, we have a billion thoughts happening in one second, and we're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch tomorrow and what's going on at work, and we're still rehashing an argument that we had with someone from two years ago, and mm -hmm. all of that is, is natural brain activity, but if we can turn that off and quiet the mind, that's when our innate creativity and intelligence and also the body's ability to, you know, through deep rest, that's when the body can rejuvenate and, and um, you know, so people really benefit from it. Mm. Yeah, let's go into a little bit more detail about kind of the environments that you were in, in a clinical setting and maybe some, if you're able to share any stories about the mental health facility or cancer, cancer treatment centers, how they were unique from each other or how you kind of saw people react or have benefits from what you were doing? Sure. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, the, when I was at the mental health center, the uh, other than like at first getting over the fact that you know, this, the, you know, I played specifically on unit, you know, this area it was called, you know, the for forensics treatment program. So these were all people who had some form of mental illness coupled with some kind of criminal activity. Mm -hmm. So in this facility, there were people that, you know, uh, had committed some really horrible crimes. Uh, there were other people that were in there that had committed crimes of a, of a lesser nature, but still, the, you know, these were criminals. And when I did the orientation, there was a, a really great gentleman who'd worked there for 20 years, 
And um, through the orientation process, at one point, I said, I go, man, you're doing a really great job of just scaring the crap out of me. Because, and he said, well, that's part of my job because you need to know why you're here. Mm-hmm. You need to know in your heart and in your soul what you're doing here and be very clear on that because there are people in here who will take advantage of you. They'll, they'll, you know, and during a moment of weakness or, or something that they will pounce on, on a situation and aggravate it uh, because that is part of the, like, the criminal mind, you know. Yeah. And so I was like, wow. So at first I felt that I was very much on guard and, and really, you know, trying to carry myself in, in a very kind of, uh, you know, bold way. And, and then the next thing I realized was that so many of these patients were on just a tremendous amount of, of drugs, you know, right. of psychotropic drugs to keep everybody under control and stuff. And I almost felt like as a sound practitioner that it was, and, may, and I know this probably sounds very esoteric, that it was almost like I had to play through mm-hmm. that pharmacological haze. Mm-hmm. Because these just weren't like people at a yoga studio that were like, you know, hey, I'm here and I'm pretty healthy and I'm doing my thing. And, right. you know, I'm, I'm here to have a cool meditative experience. You know, the, these are folks that were isolated from their families and their communities. They're, you know, incarcerated. You know, they have a very regimented life and, and it, you know, and, and a, not an easy life, you know, being, being in there. And so... I think it, it, took a, it took a while, like three months or something, for the patients and the staff to sort of get a feel for the work that I was doing and get a feel for who I was as a person. And then when, when there was some level of, of, of like acceptance and harmony with that, I became more comfortable the patients and the staff became more comfortable and then it was easier and there was more of a flow to it. And, um, and, and, and through that process, I, I think I gained a lot of confidence in my playing because I received, you know, I'm very fortunate that, that I received, um, you know, wonderful feedback and praise from, from, people in attendance and then at one point uh, one of the supervisors came up to me and said well you know of all the um, activities that we have here at at the center yours are the most well attended mm-hmm. and and that was like wow you know that really t- you know touched my heart because everything there was was voluntary it's not like they go okay it's four o'clock mm-hmm. and we're all going to go play volleyball there was nothing like that it was you know hey the, you know, these are the activities, and people could participate in everything, or they could participate in nothing and just stay in their room and stare at the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really rewarding that uh, those sessions were were well attended. And then the, you know, probably the um, one of the greatest compliments that I that I ever had is that on one of the units there, there was a young man who was deaf. And he would come to all of my sessions and he would pull a chair up, you know, close to the gong mm-hmm. and just stick his hands out. Because, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, playing a 30-inch gong and, you know, even at a medium volume, you can feel the vibration mm-hmm. from the instrument. It almost feels like electricity. Yeah. And so this young man would just sit, he would hold his, his, the palms of his hands out and he would just kind of absorb, you know, the, the sound through his hands. And, and that was really beautiful. And then um, several months later, we had another kind of an open house wellness day, and they asked me, you know, another thing that I do is I facilitate drum circles. And um, they asked me, they said, hey, would you come and do, you know, and do a drum circle? And, and I was like, yeah, of course, you know. So I did that. And so this young man who was deaf, participated in the drum circle and and, I mean and he couldn't hear anything and one of the therapists came up to me and said Kenny you know I don't know you know how you do it or what you're doing but but you're probably the only person I know that could get a deaf person to to participate in a drum circle Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. 
and and that was that was really you know touching and uh re, you know rewarding and then playing at the um cancer facility it was a completely different environment uh i have to say that at that time um that hot, you know cuz it, it, it cancer treatment centers of america it's in the northern suburbs of chicago and um it's a you know full blown hospital with you know i don't know how many beds but it's a full blown hospital and that environment was so positive and cheerful and i used to make a joke every time you'd ride the elevator there you'd make a new friend cuz everybody was just like hey how are you and i'd be coming in with all my gear and people would be asking me all these questions and and it was such an upbeat and loving and positive environment i really have to you know give my hats off to the staff uh there cuz it was uh, you know really a place of of healing on that level you know of, of just like you would walk in and you there was just this energy that was like whoa you know and here are people that are getting diagnosed with all different kinds of cancer and life threatening stuff and and uh the, the they they just did a tremendous job with that and so the sessions there um the attendance was just really all over the place sometimes i would do a session and there'd be two people there other times i do a session and there'd be 20 and the reason for that is is everyone there is like you know hey at 3:00 i'm going to get a reiki treatment or at you know you know 3:30 then i'm seeing a nutritionist and then i'm having my chemo and then i'm meeting with the doctor and and it's like people were very scheduled and so it was kind of hit or miss as far as how many people were there and the two stories uh that uh stick in my mind from that is uh another one that was related to a drum circle is that I was doing uh doing a drum circle and people were you know kind of coming in and I remember that there was like several like a mother and a daughter and or a you know a a father and son and all this stuff and we're getting and I'm welcoming everybody and we're kind of getting all settled in well this older gentleman comes in with um uh a hospital gown on he's got his chemo bag on one of those portable rollers and so he comes in with his chemo bag and his hospital gown his you know his butt's kind of hanging out the back of it mm-hmm. and um he just said uh and, and oh and we already just kind of started drumming and he came in and he was like man he goes I was hearing this drumming and I just had to come here and be a part of it and I know I can't use my left arm but you have a shaker or something I could shake mm-hmm. or a cowbell or something I can bang on with my right hand <laughs> and this guy and he looked terrible he just he did not look at all well yeah. but he just wanted to be a part of the circle and and stayed the entire time and just was was you know shaking a shaker and just having the best time and and you know just feeling the energy of the music and and the energy of the group and and I don't know why I'll just always have this memory of this guy you know coming in with his chemo bag to 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 be a part of it and then another really beautiful an- anecdote to share is uh I was doing a, a gong in Tibetan bowl bowl session and uh it was a a woman and her father and her father evidently had some kind of a very advanced form of cancer and stuff and so they came in to the session and uh I used to do half an hour sessions there because again people were so scheduled out and there's no way that folks could take an hour out of their day so so I played you know did the first session for half an hour and then this uh you know daughter and father you know she said well hey that was really great thank you but you know we have to go to this other session and the dad said no he said i'd really like to stay here mm. and and she said are you sure dad you know we're supposed to go see so and so at at you know 4 o'clock or whatever it was and he said no he goes i i really want to stay i feel like this is really soothing so uh they stayed for the next session i played and then afterwards this gentleman came up to me shook my hand and said thank you sir so much he goes now i know what the kingdom of heaven sounds like. Wow. Mm. And and I, you know, started to to tear up mm. and uh, you know, the daughter started to tear up and it's like I don't think I've ever received a greater compliment 
in my life, mm-hmm. you know, that by, you know, simply by, you know, playing, you know, a gong and some, some Tibetan bowls and maybe a rattle or a chime that I had at the time, that someone to have that sort of wonderful, you know, expression. And, and that's something that I've always kind of kept in my back pocket because, you know, like, let's say I'm having a bad day or I, you know, go play at a yoga studio and the yoga studio owner is, you know, uh, not paying me my money that they agreed to or something sure. that, that I always have that experience to, to fall back on to go, wow, you know, this is why I do this work yeah. is because of, of experiences like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, and I just had another experience. Uh, do you want to hear that yeah, one too? Please. And then we can respond. So um, I'm at Cancer Treatment Centers of America and um, they had this area that was sort of like this big atrium sort of place where they had a bunch of big chairs and sofas and a fountain, and, and it was a place for people to just go kind of hang out and chill and read or visit or something. And so I used to do sessions in this part of the hospital, and then they also would clear out some things and people, they would lay some yoga mats down and so people could lay like right in front of where I was set up. So, so it's a, you know, kind of typical session I'm doing there and um, I'm starting to play and do my thing. And I notice out of the corner of my eye that a woman came in kind of late and she came and she sat down in one of these big comfortable chairs. And so I'm just playing and whatever, 10 minutes later, I look over at my friend Cynthia, who's a nurse there and, you know, kind of a person that helped me coordinate, you know, my activities. She is looking at me and she's just got this huge smile on her face and she puts her hands together in prayer position and she points to this woman in this big comfy chair who is just absolutely conked out, like with her head cocked back, um, just resting peacefully and, and just super relaxed and chilled and everything like that. And I play for another 10 more minutes and I look back over at Cynthia and, and again, Cynthia is just, you know, who's a very animated person. She's just beaming and she's pointing at this woman in the chair. And I have no idea what, what all this is about, you know, other than I'm thinking, Oh, well this person's, you know, relaxed and having a good experience and all this stuff. So the session ends and at the, at the end, I always say, Oh, you know, does anybody have any questions or anything they'd like to share? And at this particular session, um, there were people with lots of questions, and I had some, actually some Tibetan bowls for sale. And so people were asking me about the bowls, and I was saying, here, play the bowls and have mm-hmm. fun and, and you know, making it interactive. And so this woman who was sitting in the chair comes up to me, and Cynthia is right next to me. And so she comes up to me, and she goes, are you a hugger? And I said, yeah, sure. She goes, can I give you a hug? And so I give this woman a hug, and the minute her head hits my shoulder, she just starts sobbing mm. just uncontrollably, just, you know, just crying, like just this huge release. And so, so I just hold her, and she's, and she's kind of, you know, in my shoulder going, oh, thank you, thank you. And I was like, hey, thank, you know, thank you for being here, and, you know, this is my pleasure to, to be here and to, you know, play for everyone. And so then she kind of pulls herself away, and, and she you know, wipes, like I think probably Cynthia gave her some tissues and she wipes away the tears and stuff. And she said, sir, I just really want to thank you for, for doing this work. And I said, and again, I said, no, it's my pleasure. I said, I love being here. And she says, no, 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 you don't understand. You have just given me the gift of dreams. Mm. And, and I was, and I didn't know what to say, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and she said, I have not slept, literally, I have not slept in six months, and I thought I was going to go crazy. My husband was diagnosed with some, you know, stage four, very aggressive form of cancer, and she says, my life has just been turned upside down. My children's life is turned upside down. She goes, all I've been doing is, is worrying, and I haven't slept, and she goes, this is the first time I've, I've, I dreamt in six months. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I thought, wow, you know, uh, you, know, you know, it's like I just kind of take it for granted that everybody dreams, you know, and sometimes you have funny dreams and sometimes you have weird dreams and you may have a sexy dream or, I mean, just whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, it's it's part of our uh, daily, you know, rhythms of, of life, you know, sleep, rest, and all that stuff. And so that's another story that all these years 
has stayed with me. And again, that's why I, I do this work is because it, it affects people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's not that I'm, it's not about me and about like, oh, I'm so terribly talented or, or gifted or anything. It's just, there's something about these instruments that if you approach it with, you know, I think a certain amount of delicacy and musicality, it, it can really affect people in, in profound ways. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's just to simply re- rest or go within, I think yeah, what's so rewarding exactly. about it is the feedback that you receive because it is so different for each person, how it affects them. And yeah, thank yeah. you for sharing those stories. Yeah. Oh, sure. And, and, you know, too, the other thing I love about this work is that it's different all the time. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, you know, I know that there are some people who approach, you know, working with sound that they have kind of a, a metered uh, presentation that, that is, kind of calculated that they work it out when they're like well i'm going to play the bowls for approximately five minutes and then i'm going to play the gong and then i'm going to play the chimes Mm -hmm. and stuff and you know i have some students that that's that it's like that's their comfort level that it's like they have to have an outline of what they're going to do when i play it's just the you know like i always tell people like when i sit down to play i feel like i just opened up a new box of crayons (laughs) and i'm going for it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and that uh, you know, sometimes I might play very, you know, v- you know, very delicately for an hour. Other times it's it's intense, and other times it's it's a mixture of all those things. And so it's one of the one of the aspects of this work is that I love is that it is different for me as as a, a player and a person who is is growing and learning my craft. But then also it's always different for the participants, and so. You know, I always kind of try to mix up what I bring to a session so that I don't have the exact same setup. And, and I, you know, I'll bring different bowls. I'll play different rattles. I'll, um, sometimes I'll play chimes. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I tone along with the gongs. Sometimes I, you know, don't. Um, so it's, it's different all the time. And it, and it just keeps it fresh for me. Uh, I'm, I'm repeating myself. But it keeps it fresh. And it keeps it fresh for, for folks who, who I'm very fortunate that, you know, are coming to 20 or 30 sessions over the course of the years. Sure. So. Yeah, that's a really good point, you know, and all the different workshops and trainings and, and ways you can learn to play these instruments. It's, it's great to learn protocols and techniques, but at some point you do kind of have to let go and just allow yourself to be guided by the energies and the, and the sounds themselves. Um, yes, so yeah. So there's, there's, there's well, that you know, balance, you know. Yeah, you know, I was really fortunate that, um, you know, a guest that you've had on your show, mm-hmm. Michael Bettine, sure. he was my uh, mentor okay. when I first started to play. I, I you know, because uh, I lived in the Chicago area and he lives in Milwaukee. And I think I just called him and said, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm playing gongs and stuff. And, you know, I know that's what you do. And do you give lessons? And, he was like, yeah, and we had this great conversation over the phone, and then I went to, you know, went to his house a few times up in Milwaukee, and he um, was and is instrumental in, in informing my playing and my approach to this work because, you know, he was a drummer. You know, I'm a drummer, and uh, I, I think maybe in some ways that, that – folks that are percussionists sort of have an advantage of playing gongs and bowls and all these things because, you know, I grew up with drumsticks in my hand and I understand, um, like, how to tease sounds out of a piece of metal or a drum, you know, as far as, like, with what sort of velocity am I hitting this instrument? Um, what sort of delicacy am I hitting this instrument with, depending upon where I strike the instrument. If I hit it in the center, I'm going to get a certain kind of a sound. If I hit it towards the rim, I'm going to get a certain kind of sound. I can play the edges of this, that that there's something about, I think, being a musician and learning things from a technique standpoint, that uh, a percussionist, rather, that translates really well to, to, you know, this world of gongs and bowls and bells and stuff. And... And so um, Michael's advice to me early on was just, you know, play from your heart. 
you know, that, that, that sure. And, and I think from a technique standpoint, like there was not much that he could um, share with me, you know, because I've been playing drums on and off since I was nine years old, but he was very instrumental in me, uh, like for me conceptually of saying, you know, hey, you, you need to trust your instincts. You mm-hmm. should play from your heart, mm-hmm. you know, rely on all the years that you've played music and just let that flow out of you naturally um, as you're playing. And then also Michael was a person who was saying, and, you know, read the room, you know, open up your, open up your ears and your mind and, and uh, project like, how is this sounding 10 feet away? You know, because as the musician, you're on top of all these instruments and, and there's an immediacy and you're getting all the nuance and all the intensity. But if you were to project yourself 10 feet away, then 20 feet away, how is that sound carrying in the room? And what about the, the size and shape of the room? You know, you, you know, you have to take that into effect. You know, you should, should you know, uh, clap your hands or, or just walk around the room maybe with a bowl and get a sense of the acoustics and then maybe set up based, you know, put your, you know, do your main setup based on intuitively where you think the best sound is going to be. And so he, so Michael has just been, um, you know, phenomenal for me in, in my growth. And, and then over the years we, you know, played, you know, we performed together and did some things and, and Michael, is just someone that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And, and he's, uh, you know, ha, you know, has cheered me on and given me compliments over the years that have really just made, you know, made me feel like, you know, yeah, okay, cool. I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm, and I'm moving forward. And um, other people that have been influential for me as a gentleman who lives on the East coast, Dottam Singh, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you know Dottam, but he, he's another phenomenal gong player. Um, he was also very instrumental for, with me over the years of being a source of encouragement and a source of knowledge. Um, I learned a tremendous amount from him. And then also a person here in Texas, his name is Gordon Hune, um, who uh, played gongs in Tibetan bowls, but Gordon's thing was he used to go to Nepal and, and choose bowls and then, sh- you know, and ship them here. And so it was through him that I learned about Tibetan bowls. And, and I, you know, he studied with Mitch Nur and, you know, Gordon was, is, you know, on, in his own right, a bit of, of a, you know, expert in Tibetan bowls because he just, you know, had been selling them for so many years and, and has had so many bowls kind of travel through, through his hands. Um, but sadly, Gordon um, started to get like early onset of, of dementia or Alzheimer's, and, and he's no longer selling bowls or, or playing or anything like that. But he was uh, also just a friend and a source of knowledge and inspiration. And so I, I feel lucky that I had these great people who were uh, like immediately uh, – you know, like allies and, and, mm-hmm. and friends and confidants. And, and I could, you know, call Michael or call Dottam and say, you know, well, I'm feeling frustrated with this or that, or there's something happening in the yoga world and, and I'm not liking this or that. And, and that those guys were, you know, continue to still always be there for me. And, and it's just nice to have uh, like a sense of, of community. Right. Yeah. You know, of people that you can talk shop with and mm-hmm. share ideas and things. And, you know, Michael, after the first gong summit, I talked to him about a week later. And, you know, we were on the phone, I think, for about an hour and a half. And he was telling me, like, oh, my God, I just learned so much. Mm-hmm. And all these great people were here. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and so for Michael, who's been playing gongs for 30 years, to come back and go, oh, my God, this was so informative. And I yeah. met the greatest people. And I learned these new techniques. And I'm just like, whoa. Like that must have really been incredible. So yeah, and just knowing you were there, right? Is that yeah. where you met Michael? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's where I met a, a lot of those folks, and and I think that's what's so inspiring is it's limitless. There's always so much to learn, and I think what's exactly. really important about what you said, especially from a musician's perspective, is 
even if we've you know learned all this technique you could be the the best percussionist uh, sometimes it's hard for people to kind of uh, let go and play from the heart you know maybe you weren't taught yeah. taught that way because you were taught in a more disciplined uh, focused on technique way so that is that is so important to be able to kind of let go and just be playful just play yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah it, it really is and you know i have a quick story that and when i lived in the chicago area a young man who uh played flute and all different kinds of flutes uh, and he actually for a living he played in in the in the different uh stage productions for you know all the big you know shows that would come through chicago whether it was you know oz or uh cats or you know, and, and um, so he, he did that for a living, and he also taught people how to play flute, and the guy would, could sight read like crazy, you know, just a unbelievably accomplished, you know, musician in, in a classical sense. Well, he came to a couple of my sessions and really enjoyed it, and he contacted me and said, hey, why don't we get together and do a recording, you know, and I said, fantastic. He had this kind of cool you know, portable recording setup and some great quality microphones and everything like that. So he and I got together a couple times and, you know, because all I do is just, like you said, I just kind of play and I just play from the heart and, and just riff and, and let things go. Well, this guy who was super, just a really wonderful person, he had the hardest time just letting go and, and been being able to just sort of play with me because his whole world w- was very structured, you know, that he, he was used to go into a gig, they would put a chart in front of him, and he could sight read and, and play the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. left to his own devices just to, to uh, let his heart sing and just play from a place of creativity and, and abandonment, he really, really struggled. And we never ended up finishing that project because mm-hmm. he, he just felt like he, he wasn't, like playing what like he couldn't execute what he wanted to because that what he was feeling in his heart wasn't coming out of his hands mm-hmm. sure. you know sure. and so 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 it's it's just interesting and it doesn't make one approach better than the, than the other uh but i think in the world of you know uh, being a sound practitioner you know part of what we do is we're reading people's energies either individually if we're working with one person or if we're working in big groups so right you know i'm curious you've you've traveled uh, all over the country uh, teaching workshops thousands of workshops how do you feel the state of sound therapy field is and just how many gong meditations and sound baths are available now what does this blossoming of sound opportunities imp- what does it reveal at this time that it's just such a huge um, thing? You know, geez, that's that's a great <laughs> question, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I've had conversations with uh, all my fellow uh, gong players, you know, friends and mentors, and I think you know, on one level, I, I think it's great, you know, that that people are, um, you know, wanting to share the beauty and the power of these instruments, you know, whether it's Tibetan bowls, gongs, crystal singing bowls, chimes, you know, you name it. My um, concern is that there are people that, um, you know, they'll go online, they buy a gong, Mm -hmm. uh, they watch a couple YouTube videos, and then they're out getting business cards made saying that they're gong masters. Mm -hmm. And, um, playing for people and these folks have no training they have no technique uh they have not done kind of the you know like you know musicians call wood shedding of mm-hmm. just spending time with the instrument and learning uh what it can do uh learning how you're relating to that particular instrument um how you're putting your energy and and your persona 
um, how to get that get the most out of the instrument from a dynamic standpoint so that you can learn how to play at really intense volumes or play with incredible you know whisper like delicacy it's like those are the things that and, and when I first bought a gong and before I went to go play with people and before I ever called Michael it's like I I played my gong for six months or nine months and and just like spent time with it you know because I didn't want to go and play for people without with, with not knowing what I was doing and, but and and that was like part of my musician's training you know that it's like if like I didn't I would never want to go uh, be in a band and not be rehearsed because you would just go up on stage and and sound like horse manure that's not fun it's fun when it sounds great you know and and that attitude for me is that it's it's enjoyable and rewarding for me when I know that I'm playing you know with quiet confidence and knowing that if I'm playing to a group of five people or 500 people I'm I'm going to play from an authentic place within myself I'm going to play with a certain level of mastery over mm-hmm. over the instruments that um, you know, I'm blessed to play, but I think there are too many people now that it's just our society. Like everybody wants to take a magic pill and have everything be better. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody's like, oh, well, I'll watch a few YouTube videos, and now I'm I'm a crystal bowl master, and and so I'm going to go play for people. And so I've heard over the years that there's a lot of people that they'll say, oh, Kenny, you know, I went to your gong meditation and I went to Michael's. And it was and it was really lovely. And then I saw Person X, and it was awful. You know, like like really, it was awful. It was either too loud, or the person was up there and they talked about themselves for half an hour even before they started to play. Um, you know, they did not have command over the instrument and stuff. And so uh, I, you know, I've uh, have, have you know I've had students over the years. And about a year ago, I started a new policy that. Um, uh, first of all, if, if I'm going to, you know, like uh, mentor someone, I want to have a, a strong sense of kind of like who they are and what are their goals and things like that. And I make people pay for like six or nine months of, of sessions, mm-hmm. um, like right away, because I've had people take two lessons with me. And then before I know it, like oh. they're, I'm in competition with them oh, and they're, there's a big write-up for them saying like, "Oh, I'm a gong master because mm-hmm. you know I studied with Kenny twice." It's like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even consider myself a master, and I've I've been doing this full time for 13 years. Yeah. That yeah. that you know, like I said, I have a a quiet confidence about what I do, but it's like if I compare myself to you know, and it's never good to compare, but it's like you know, I look at the you know the accomplishments and and you know Michael's playing style. And and Dottam and his playing style, being a Kundalini practitioner, and there's a woman here in the uh, Dallas area named Jody Roberts, who is a you know phenomenal you know gong player and probably the best I've seen her play Tibetan bowls, and it's the best I've ever experienced in my life. You know, so it's like if I I I can't imagine ever you know walking into the room and going, oh, I'm a master. You know, it's it, it's like um, who who said it? I think um, you know so many famous you know jazz musicians have a quote basically of this nature, saying, "Well, the more that I've learned, the more that I realize that there's so much more to learn." Sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that uh, you know you made a statement to that effect earlier, but it's like you know I think Peter Erskine said that, and and I think you know uh, Charles Mingus had some kind of quote where he said. You know, I had been playing the bass for like 14 years or something before I could get the instrument out of the way and really play. Right. You know, and and so I I I guess I I have a little bit of resentment that there's people out there, you know, just like you know, oh, I have a gong and now I'm going to play for you know hundreds of people because I care about what I do and I care about you know people having you know good and positive experiences and. So I, I just wish, and, and I'm an idealist. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, romantic and stuff like that. Is that I just wish that people would take their time and and learn because these instruments are so beautiful and they're so powerful and there's 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 magic in this. You know, mm-hmm. there's 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 a reason that 
people, you know, there's a reason that this is growing as, as a phenomenon and stuff, but I just wish people would take their time and, and, and learn and, um, uh, and, and, you know, because it, it's, it's, again, it's, it's a vehicle for their growth too, right. you know, as the player. So, mm-hmm. and I hope I don't sound like I'm a snotty weirdo or something. No, not <laughs> but, at all. Uh, you know, that kind yeah. of learning and self-growth can't be rushed, right? And uh, yes. I just think Agreed. that, yeah. gosh, you can get one gong and, and learn for a lifetime uh, rather than just keep getting more and more stuff. I, it's really easy, easy to do, though. And, and uh, yeah. No, yeah, yep. I, I definitely understand. And I think uh, one thing I'm curious about just considering the time we're in right now, of course, depending on when people listen to this, but is there any practice that you can offer for those at home, whether it's a sound or breathing practice you think could be helpful during this challenging and unprecedented time with the coronavirus? Is there something that you think? Yeah, that's a, something that's a, great, simple? That's a great question. And, and, you know, it's like right now, just this past uh, week and a half or so that um, all the, like, like my work has just completely dried up in the yoga world in, in yeah. all aspects. And yeah. so everybody is figuring out different online platforms to be able to share this with. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the first, uh, thing that popped into my mind was that if, if there are folks at home that are, that are lucky enough to own a Tibetan bowl or a crystal bowl or some chimes or, uh, a frame drum or something, for me, I just find it so therapeutic that even if I pick up a frame drum and just play it gently for even five minutes, that just that simple act can get me out of, you know, my anxious mind, you know, or it can it can soothe my, you know, like, like you know, when I get upset or fearful, it's like I feel this energy, like, kind of right in my sternum, you know, that I get all sort of like, you know, shortness of breath and this kind of intensity that, that I can pick up a Tibetan bowl and just play it and maybe make it, you know, sing for a minute. That, that anxious, uh, uncertain, fight-or-flight kind of energy, at least for me, it just dissipates. And these times are so unprecedented and so uh, uncertain that if there's anything that we can do at home to alleviate that anxiety, that, uh, excuse me, that, that sort of mental strain, I just say, you know, please, please do it. Take the time, whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour, whatever you can build into your day, to, to um, use sound as a vehicle to to you know for for i mean maybe this sounds weird but it's almost like a self-soothing kind of a thing sure you know and um and and then otherwise i know that there's all kinds of very talented you know people you know playing gongs and bowls and stuff that are that are going to be offering things online and um you know i i think that you know maybe you know do like just Find somebody that you resonate with, mm-hmm. um, as as far as their their playing style and stuff, and 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 that's another thing that I that I like about this work too is that everybody brings their their history, uh, whether they you know were musicians or not, um, to to their to their playing, and that you know there's a guy in uh, Michigan named Christopher Davis who's just a really great soul, a really lovely guy. Um, I've had some wonderful conversations with him over the phone that, um, you know, I've never heard him play, but I know in my heart that it would be, I would love to attend his events mm-hmm. just because of the person he is. And, and that translates into what he delivers as a, as a sound practitioner. Yeah. And so, um, so really, just find find somebody that that you resonate with, and if they're offering things, you know, online, you sh- you should check that out. I know that there's a lot of great Tibetan bowl meditations and stuff on YouTube, and and I and, and with these times of self, you know, be, of self isolation and all that stuff, I think there's even going to be more and more of it available. You know, good quality stuff available for people to um, enjoy and to incorporate into. Uh, their meditative practice. Uh, another thing that people 
have shared over the years is that it's important that if you do have a meditation practice to try to have it at a regular scheduled time, you know, and, and, and with kids being home from school and people working from home and probably for lots of folks, that's not possible. But if, if at all, you can say like, well, you know what, um, my workday ends in the late afternoon and I can set aside time at, at 445, I can meditate for 15 minutes. Like, do that on a daily basis, and, and I think that helps with just having that routine and, and, and the practice of, of having, you know, uh, you know, whatever form of meditation mm-hmm. is, is that people do. So, And maybe, you know, even during this time, maybe that's more important than ever, especially when we yeah. our routine has been completely changed and, and yeah, shifted. Just, that yeah. Yeah, and yes. I, I think it's really amazing the adjustments people are making. You know, you are seeing a lot more online offerings and people contributing mm-hmm. Facebook Lives and, and all kinds of things. So in a way, uh, we do have a bit of a gift of time right now for uh, how to focus and how to yes. be present and how to, um, you know, use sound to perhaps uh, mute some of our fears and, and, and really tune tune more within go more within during this time yes yeah i've been doing some fun uh facebook live things that i call the daily dose of drumming mm-hmm. you know yeah. and, and specifically um for you know because it's like my, my whole thought about it was behind it was that man there's so many families that it's like all of a sudden mom and dad are now homeschooling their kids mm-hmm. and and that, you know, so my, my invitation is like, you know, hey, I'm just going to drum for, you know, 15 minutes and everybody drop what you're doing and, and grab your car keys and shake those or, or dance around the living room and mm-hmm. grab some pots and pans and let's, let's just make some noise and have fun, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, break up the day and, and have a little bit of a different focus. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I think it's important to have fun. Absolutely. And to tune into our creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Well, awesome. This has been a lot of fun in itself. And, you know, where can people follow what you're doing? You have a website and, and all the other stuff. Yeah, my website is uh, gongmeditation.com. But I'm going to warn everybody, I haven't touched my website in years, and I'm <laughs> actually going to use downtime to, to update that, and I'm going to change um, hosts and everything like that. So uh, stay tuned for that. Also, I'm very active on Facebook, uh, Kenny Coulter. The last name is K-O-L-T-E-R. Um, and, my, and, and on Instagram, it's uh, Earthgong. And so I, you know, I have a, a beautiful four-year-old grandson, and so I post pictures of him. <laughs> I post pictures of just, you know, what's happening in my life. You know, I like Blackhawks hockey, and, and uh, I like to cook for my wife, and, and I also post, you know, my, my events there and stuff. And, and, you know, a long time ago, a person that I knew that uh, was in social media said, you know, people like to do business with people that they know and like. Mm-hmm. And so why not just put who you are out there on social media and not have it be um, so calculated, mm-hmm. you know, just just put, hey, this is who you are, you mm-hmm. know, and, and so that's what I do. So I post things on Instagram about, you know, where I'm, where my events are and what I'm up to sort of as far as uh, being a sound practitioner, but then you'll also see a fun uh, picture of my grandson and whatever <laughs> else I got going on in my mm-hmm. life, a walk that my wife and I are taking or something. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. uh, so yeah, that's how people can, can reach out to me. Thanks for asking. Great. Well, excellent. Oh, this and then is, also, yeah. can I do a little uh, uh, like shameless self-promotion? Oh, please, yeah. I also s- sell Tibetan bowls. Mm-hmm. And so if, if anybody's interested, um, I've sold like, you know, probably close to 100 bowls through the years over the phone um, during this time of, of self-isolation. And so I have uh, a wonderful selection of um, Fatabody, uh, Ramuna and Manapuri style bowls, mm-hmm. and I'm you know happy to ship and and all that stuff. So send me a note on on Facebook, um, um, and I'd be happy to work with anybody who's interested in getting a high quality singing bowl. Thanks. It's been really fun talking to you, and and I appreciate everything that you shared, and the stories just make it so much more personal. Uh, so I really appreciate that. 
Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, I feel like I, I, I want to interview you and learn all about you now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone's got to interview the interviewer at some point, I right? I have thought of that. Yeah, I've thought of that. Just got to find the, yeah. the right person. Yeah, because people want to get to know what you're all about, yeah. you know? Yeah. Just find somebody to switch roles with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I'd be happy to do that if you, if you ever, if you ever, you know, you know, want to want to do that. That would be cool. So, okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's consider that. And yeah, okay. like like I said, um, in in the messages, usually I just do one podcast a month. But with this extra time and being able to kind of grab people, even you know somebody like Mitch Noor and um, yeah, who's usually so busy and of course still is, but I can kind of get more and more of these released while people have the time to listen and contribute. So, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and I think it's great that you're, that you're, you know, uh, you know, interviewing people and, and, and opening up this, you know, this world. Yeah. So that's awesome. Oh, Thanks thank for you. doing that. Thank you. It's, it's a great learning experience for me and a great way to connect with people mm-hmm. and, and just have an offering. So thank you. Yeah. Hey, it was it was a pleasure visiting with you. Thank yeah, you thank too. you again for inviting me to be on here, and it's just been been, been a pleasure. It really has. Thank you so much, and, and take care. Okay, you too. All okay. right. Yep. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast, sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. You can keep up to date with what's coming up next at SoundsHealStudio.com check things out on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio, and you can listen to all previous podcasts as well as music meditations on the YouTube channel at Sounds Heal Studio. Be well and stay tuned. <laughs>